on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. What would you say to the guy right now or gal who's listening and maybe they've thought about buying a business or they've already purchased a business <laughs> and maybe they've realized that what you realized six months in is, oh, bummer, I maybe oversought some things here. How do you recover? Because obviously you're still in business and you're doing very well for yourself. It's not the end of the road that you made this mistake. What does that look like afterwards? What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I'm your host. Today, I've got Gerald McHenry here on the King stage. My brother, Gerald, how we doing? We're doing good today. Good, good to be here. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. It's an honor to have you. And you're right. It is a good day, but we get to choose that. So I'm <laughs> glad that you chose a good day today. I definitely chose a good day today. Tell us what kind of business that you got, brother. I have what's called a middle and final mile truck operation and what that entails the middle mile is usually between no more than 300 mile radius of the cities that we service the final mile of course is the things that you see get delivered to your home yeah so that's right that's where we that's our niche right now okay yeah not just transportation right not just getting goods and services to the people but a couple of sectors inside of that which i love and i'm sure we'll be able to get into some detail of that the the cool part about my next question, it's my first question every single time, and it's heartfelt, it's emotional, it's it's the heartbeat, if you will, but you're in a really boring business. But not really, <laughs> right? Industry standards is transportation is not super sexy, which I love. I love boring businesses. Mm -hmm. So I gotta know why. Not necessarily why transportation, but what's on the inside of you that burns so deep that you're doing transportation or that you're doing whatever that you're doing in life? What's inside of you, man? Here, here, my journey into transportation was one out of frustration. Okay. I was prior to buying this company, I bought it and then grew it. But prior to buying it, I was a vice president of a major elevator company. Okay. And after six years in that position, they decided to change all of the structure and they got rid of like nine VPs. Wow. They gave me a nice parachute. So, you know, I'm not you know, too upset about it. But after all of the work that I had done, I was so frustrated with the fact that, you know, I, my goal was $5 million to the bottom line and I hit seven, but they still let me go. Yeah. So it didn't matter what my performance was. I was still not in control of my own destiny. That's right. So transportation came about because when I was in, you know, I'm a private pilot. When I was in flight school, my flight instructor, we were sitting in Dallas at the Dallas airport and he was looking at these routes for sale. And he was like, man, these things are cash flowing really nice. And I remembered that. And mm -hmm. I went back to that and I said, you know what? Let me see about buying some routes. I think I can do this. So I had a learning curve. I had to learn all the DOT information, all of those things. And then I decided, okay, let's find a company that we want to buy. Yeah. And that in itself was a little struggle too, but that's how I got here. I love it. Yes. Oh man. I've always wanted to do transportation. It became a good business. Yeah. Yeah. Which is obviously giving you a foundation to be able to build on and, right. and achieve all the things that you have. What's okay. So you kind of gave us the, like the crux moment there of someone else having control and you realizing it. So is the burning desire inside of Gerald to have control? Is it to have, 
to be the writer of your own destiny. What what is your big why? Why are you doing this? To write my own destiny. That that is exactly right. I'm the type of person where if I work hard, I'd like to be rewarded for it. If I go out and I do something and I'm moving the needle the way you want me to, I expect to be rewarded for it or maintain, at least maintain where I am. But, and I get it. I've been in those meetings before also in my career where companies have to make decisions. They have to make final decisions. But it sucks to be the person on the end of that financial decision, even though it made sense for them. It didn't make sense for me. Yeah. So, yeah. And they want to be trapped again. So yeah. I'm like, the only way to do that is to be in control of your own destiny. So the only person that can fire me now is me. So that's right. I I relate to that. I think every entrepreneur does, obviously, to a degree. There's <clears throat> there's a there's a sense of freedom that we feel through the mm-hmm. fulfillment of being a business owner or the control of it's. It, there's an interesting dynamic between control and freedom for mm-hmm. us as entrepreneurs, but what what about like you know beyond the beyond the writing of destiny or maybe maybe what's the layer deeper than that why do you feel that you have a destiny worth writing what is there like is there something that you're headed towards is there a bigger picture like what's the the grander scale for you the grander scale is reaching a retirement and being able to you know live comfortably and not work your entire life you know, I wanted to make sure that my children were all taken care of, which they're all out of college now and they're doing their own thing. My wife, she's a, she's in the medical field and she's doing her thing. So everybody is coming, you know, we're getting to that age where we've got to look forward to the next, our next life, you know, mm-hmm. after work. So my whole goal was to set something up that would one generate income at the same level as the vice president position to build assets so that once I do retire, I can get rid of some of those assets and add that to the nest egg. And then I'd like to just kind of pick something that I would like to do. It doesn't have to be a money maker. It could be consulting or anything like that, but I want to be able to work when I want to work and not have to worry about those things because my income is set. So yeah. the big goal is to get to retirement. It's awesome. Yeah, I think that there's vision in that for sure. And I think that there's some takeaways that we can pull out as we kind of get to know your story a little bit better for the listeners. You gave us a little bit of the snapshot of, you know, you you were you had a great job and basically they took it away, right? Okay. Yeah. So tell us what the first couple of years were like in you buying a business. You didn't start from scratch. So that's a yeah. whole different story. Like you said, even finding the business was a little bit of a story. Give us a give us a couple minutes of finding and then some of those early those early moves. So when I first when I first started looking at the business, I was trying to buy lines from a an eighteen wheeler a guy that, that that was servicing long haul trucking. We kept trying to do a deal with him. He said he wanted to do the deal, and we kept trying to get it kept and it kept dragging on and on and on. And at the same time, there was a guy who had a middle mile operation. He was sent to me by a friend of mine who knew he was selling his business and that I was looking at the trucking. So he kept coming to me and kept coming to me. And I'd be like, "Ah, I'm focused on this because I think this is it. And I'm focused. But he, this guy's delaying and this guy's wanting to sell. Right. Okay. Let's go to the door that's open. This door right here is like, it's kind of peeking through the, you know. Right. 
a lot of competition in that last one. And he wants, he wants to sell. So he, I went out, did evaluations on the business, made some mistakes in that valuation, made him an offer, purchased the business. And then the transition started. The mistakes I made, and sometimes I think it was done on purpose to hide <laughs> the margin. Like a self-sabotage purpose or like, or well, his, like a... From the seller side. Oh, okay. I got it. Got because it. Because even though his margins overall were correct, one segment of the business, he shaded the margin from another section and pushed it into that section of the business to yeah. make it seem like this was not very much of his margin. Sure. Oh, for example, just, just raw numbers, and I can't remember the exact number, but say that this accounted for 30% of his margin. Right. right? But in actuality, he showed it as 10%. Right. But he pushed that other 30 down into another business. And mm -hmm. what I didn't know was that the company, when I talked with the company, everything was in good standings or whatever. But what I did not know and I don't know if he knew it or not, they were looking at pulling their work in-house. So they did that, and that 30% margin went boop. That was six months in, so I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, wow. Yeah, the, the value of that business dramatically changed. <laughs> yeah, it that's, yes, it did. That, that's called buying high. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're we're kind of getting right into the nitty gritty here. I love it. Listeners know I always ask for a good and bad decision. So let's kind of stay right here on this vein. The vein wasn't necessarily that this account left because obviously you didn't you didn't know that was going to happen. But what what did you learn inside of this? Obviously, there's some prudence on the front end or some diligence that maybe you could have you could have done to maybe figure some things out a little bit better. <clears throat> Articulate that for us of what that could have been, but then also. Through that six months of leading up to when they left, you know, hindsight, going back, was there anything that you would do differently now to be able to kind of maybe shade that to that move that they made? I was offered a opportunity to work with a company that does valuations. It would have cost me about $12,000 to do the valuation, but I understood how to do business valuation. I've been trained how to do business valuation when I was at Crump Elevator. I mean, I spent months at the European School of Management through Tissant Krupp and one of the classes was evaluating businesses. So I totally yeah. understood valuating the business, but I was still inexperienced at valuing businesses. I did right. not even, it never crossed my mind. Yeah. All that, you know, he's showing 16% margins and 30% of that 16% is coming from this line. It never crossed my mind because the bottom line numbers were correct. It we still were, made sense to you and you got excited about it. Right. The, the valuation was right. And, the, and then he accepted my evaluation because I actually have to evaluate the business. I cut it at a discount. I took yeah. about 5% off of that valuation and pushed it to him. And through negotiations and all of this, he accepted it. But I I can't, it, you know, your education gives you the platform, but experience gives you the real world. Wow. That's so good. Patient, but I didn't have the experience. So I had the, the, the nuts and bolts of how this works. But right. I had experience in the actual implementation. Yeah. So, yeah. Very for my part in trying to nickel and dime myself. I should have paid twelve thousand. It would have saved me two hundred. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cause in essence, so practically breaking this down for the listener is that most likely the evaluating or the evaluation company would have broken that margin down into the different line items of revenue streams, 
there would have been maybe like a risk analysis done on each revenue stream, right. what the relationship like, is there a contract in place, like all of those things that go into that sort of evaluation, right. uh, which would have given you probably some more leverage of going, okay, well, geez, that's a huge piece of this, right. you know, bottom line. Okay. We, what's in place here? Oh, there's nothing in place. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> we, this changes the valuation. This changes the number that I'm willing to offer. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, if I it's such, Sorry. No, I was just going to say that what you said there that about education and, and experience, education gives you the platform experience, gives you, you know, the next level of awareness or enlightenment because you did it. You actually went through it. Right. right. What would you say to the guy right now or gal who's listening and maybe they've thought about buying a business or they've already purchased a business <laughs> and, and maybe they've realized that what you realized six months in is like, oh, bummer. I kind of maybe oversought some things here. How do you recover? Because obviously you're still in business and you're doing very well for yourself. It's not the end of the road that you made this this mistake. What does that look like, you know, afterwards? So after you make that type of mistake and you've got to focus on recovering, you can't give up, don't throw up. And, you know, I've got this saying, and <laughs> it says, as long as I'm swimming, I'm not drowning. So try right. swimming. And keep swimming, keep swimming, trying to fight through it. Look for other avenues, look for things, try to cut costs. For example, prior to the pandemic, we got rid of the office building and we sent everybody home and we were working from home. So we, we were saving quite a bit there, you know, in, in rent because we right. were office building and, you know, and we didn't have, we had four people working in the office, but we just yeah. sent them all home. And we work from home because what we actually do is not done in the office as much. It's out there at the customer's warehouses. It's out there on the road. And we're always on the phone with these people anyway. They're not coming to our office. Why are we carrying this overhead? Look for things that you don't have to have and get yeah. rid of. It was it was all nice. Everything was cash flowing great until that stuff walked out the door. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah. It went sideways. Yeah. There's a huge piece of value that you're dropping here. And I and I don't, I don't want to skip over it too much because the keep swimming or if you're swimming, you're not drowning. First off, that's a complete, that's a mindset. So we, we got to break that down for a half second here. Yeah. In the process of swimming, immediately someone could think, I'm drowning. I'm drowning. Help, mm -hmm. help. Right. And I don't know if you would agree with this, but in my experience, as soon as that switch goes from like... I'm attempting to swim to I'm drowning. Like it's over. The story's over. Mm -hmm. it, the ending is clear. Like you're, you're drowning. You're going to drown. Like, and it goes, it goes back to, you know, thoughts or things and what we, what we envision in detail with emotion on a daily basis is what we get out of life period. And so in that moment, it's not just the persistence of keep going. Number one is the mindset of like, it's not over yet. I'm still swimming. So therefore I am not drowning. Right. It might be really, really tough. I might be in the middle of the ocean and I'm swimming for my life, but I am not drowning. Right. I am swimming. And so I think that is, is, is one. Number two is when you get in that place, you have got to evaluate everything. Nothing is off the table. And that's right. what I heard you say. Was that a nice office? I'm sure you had some nice coffee and some nice, maybe it was a ping pong table. Who knows, right? Like whatever those luxuries were. In that moment, when you've quote unquote made a mistake or made a bad decision and how you recover from those things is survival. We, we eliminate what's not necessary and we press into what works for a period of time. It doesn't mean that you get rid of luxuries forever. It just means that for a period of time, you have to 
press into what's working, what's making money, because that's the only way that the business is actually going to survive. Now, whether you go back to the office or not, that's your choice. You maybe, maybe you never go back to the office because you don't need to, and you develop a new culture. But for you in that moment, it wasn't like, do we want to, do we not want to? It's like, no, we have to. Right. That's exactly right. That's so speak to this, speak to like a mindset of swimming versus drowning. (laughs) Versus like persistence. It's like, okay, no, I got to get nitty gritty. And I got, I'm not like trying to retract and, and nickel and dime, like you said earlier, cause you told earlier, I shouldn't have nickel and dime myself. But in the next sentence, it's like, well, I got to, I got to get rid of things that don't work. There's a difference. And the second piece isn't nickel and diming. What are your thoughts there? So when, when we are, when you're, when you're in that type of situation, one, expect it to be tough. It's yeah. not to be easy. It's not easy at all. Expect to lose sleep. Expect to to stress through that. But know that the only way that you are guaranteed to fail is to quit. Then you're guaranteed to fail. That's but right. if you continue to fight, and and it's and it's not easy. And and I don't want anybody to think that that what I went through that was what that was some of the longest six months of my life. Yeah, because we were in trouble. And we had to have a plan to get out of the trouble. So one thing that really helps is that you write that plan down. Uh, That'll keep you focused on the pieces and not so much on just the big picture of I'm drowning. Yes, that's so good. Focus on this piece, this piece, this piece. And then you're able to break that down into small bites. Yep. There was no way you know, there was no magic bullet that was going to come and all of a sudden give me yep. that margin back. Yeah, exactly. So I had to bit and piece it, you know, cutbacks, look at other avenues for revenue, look at things where we can save money on this side. Can we find a better, uh, you know, maintenance operation that costs less? Everything was on the table, but I broke it out into pieces. Yeah. And your team has to have a clear understanding of that plan. Yeah. So, I developed that plan. We developed it as a team. We did an offsite meeting and we sat in there for a day and a half. Intense, going through every single number, pulling up numbers, running reports, looking yeah. at them. So here's our best options to get out of this. Boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. 15 to 20 options, but that's all we were focused on. Yeah, it's good. And it's kind of hard. It is a mindset, but it's kind of hard, in in my opinion, and I'm not a psychiatrist, but uh, <laughs> but I think that when you have a problem, that problem tends to elevate itself. Oh, yeah. More than the solution. So you're thinking more about the problem than you are the solution. If That's I right. That dynamic. That's right. Solution than the problem. The stress goes down a little bit. Yeah. And you see a path forward. You see yeah. it. Swimming in the middle of the ocean is getting you somewhere. Yeah. You know? But that, I guess that, that would pretty much sum up that it's not going to be easy, but have a plan, focus on the solution, reduce your focus of the problem. Yep. Focus on the solution. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if the listener is paying attention, first off, if they've, if they've had any sort of major financial or just business crisis, they're in alignment with what you're talking about. Right. And if they haven't, I, I really hope if you're listening right now and you haven't experienced a drowning situation, 
that you just back it up a little bit, back up the podcast and and just write down these few steps because it is literally the whatever it was, four or five steps there of mm -hmm. how to survive a business crisis. And so mm -hmm. I, I was just talking with a close friend of mine just a couple of days ago, but he's in the midst of a business crisis at the current moment. Mm -hmm. And a month or so ago, it was him trying to swallow the whole elephant, right? right. And oftentimes in business, it's a financial thing. And so in, in his mind, it was just this huge number. Mm -hmm. And it started off as he was ambitious and he was going after it. But you quickly realize through it just being tough, number one, that if you're not ready for it to be tough, like really, really, like you can hear it on a podcast. And then right. when you get into it, you're like, oh, no, this is what it means to be tough. Okay, got it. And then I have to delineate down exactly what Gerald was saying there. Because if you don't delineate down, if you don't take bite-sized pieces, there's zero chance the elephant goes away. You're still trying to just like chew the whole thing as, as the saying goes. It just doesn't work. It won't work. You will drown. Yeah, yeah, just, you, you have to. Yeah. You'll drown yourself in your thought process. Yeah, and will drown you. So you don't have clear thought. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Filmed. If you focus on the problem so much, you'll be so overwhelmed that you can't even think clearly. Yeah. Because hey, yeah. I have a problem, and it's just this problem, this problem. But you're not thinking well. If I take A, B, C, D, and if I do D and F, and if these two come together right, okay, we're here. Now let's look at this. If you look at it that way, yeah, yeah your, your thought process is better. Yeah, it's so simple, but it is literally the roadmap. So, and that's really to solve any problem. This is the equation to solve any problem, but it's heightened, as you mentioned in that moment. The bigger the problem, the bigger it likes to rear its head, you know, which requires a stronger mindset. To your point, a stronger thought process. What about a good decision? So you you've been in the midst of crisis and you've had some some glorious days whether it was a good decision to get out of the crisis or something that you've done to help you know some of the heydays what's been something that you would do over and over and over again I think the biggest driver for this industry is your management team okay your management team and your drivers it's such a hands-on deal it's such a hands-on business yeah I think the one of the one of the best moves I ever made was I went and hired somebody that had a higher level of education than what I actually needed. He had a better understanding of total business, had a better understanding of management, managing people, had a better understanding of actually had a good understanding of the trucking industry. But I had to pay for that. But by paying for that, it generated 10 times off the salary. If I looked at it from just a, a dollar, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. Why would you hire this guy? He's going right. to be expensive. He's going to be this. But in hiring that guy, one, it takes a load off of me. That's right. So now I put my ultimate plan into place, you know, a structure for my organization. You know, I've always said there's going to be one person working in the business one person working on the business and one person counting the money. <laughs> I, Good. And I'm the one that's working on the business. That's this right. is the one that's working in the business and my CFO is the one counting the money. That's right. So out of those three and then the collaboration between all of us, we were able to make things happen, but that would not have happened if I had not gone ahead and hired the person I needed. Right. I was going to be able to do it all which I thought I could, Superman. No. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, it, That's it, real. It becomes overwhelming yeah. and you need a good support structure. And then you step back and start working on the business. Go out and get better insurance deals. Go out and get, go focus on that kind of stuff. And you add value from that end. Yeah. You don't have to be in the day-to-day writing up employees, making sure the managers are at work because he's handling that. Right. And right. then I can own the business. So I would do that over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, today in our corporate strategy, we won't take on any new business that doesn't generate enough income for me to hire another guy just like I have. Wow. So I've got one in Nashville. I've got one in Memphis. I let some business go in Little Rock, Arkansas, because I did not, it did not generate enough to have yeah. that guy. Yeah. Girl. Yeah. The guy. So, <laughs> Hey, that's all right. Yeah. They're both talented. It actually makes me think of real estate investing and, there's a, a difference in leverage of doors. And, uh, you know, that's why a lot of multifamily guys kind of shy away or poo poo on single family homes because it's, you know, one door versus 20 or one door versus 200. And the 200 produces enough to have an on site manager. And then, therefore, it can be totally not in my realm. The, the single family is going to be like, to your point, that guy who buys it is going to be like, well, I can manage it. It's just one home, it's not a big deal. And it keeps you stuck, unless that's part of the strategy for having longer vision and you're going to package them together. Like there's always a strategy, but the the point I'm trying to make here in collaboration with yours is that if it doesn't make enough money to take it off my plate, then I'm adding something to my plate. And I have to be honest about that, right? Yes, you do. And you were, and you said, this isn't worth it. Even though it's good business, it's not enough to make it worth it for the way that we like to do things. And so we got to let it go. We got to be willing to walk away. This is also another negotiation tactic. <laughs> Right. Right. Gotta be willing to walk away. <laughs> Gotta be willing to walk away. How do you think that you and your team put together such clarity to where not only are you guys on the same page and can operate in that way, where like he's here, she's there, I'm here, counting the money, doing whatever the scenario is for the listener and, and for you, but you got immense clarity. So the question is there. But then in addition, <clears throat> so much so to where you release business for it. Mm -hmm. Hey, Chaz Wolf here. As many of you know, I have been on an absolute mission to help entrepreneurs from all across the country in many different industries level up their game and grow their business and intentionally connect with other entrepreneurs. We do that obviously through the podcast, but we also have a peer-to-peer -peer mastermind group specifically for seven to nine-figure business owners. We are bringing some of the best and most successful entrepreneurs and minds together in a regular and super intentional way to not only grow our network, but to be able to leverage. And at a certain point in business, Success becomes about leverage, leveraging time, leveraging resources, leveraging key relationships. This is exactly what we're doing inside of the peer-to-peer -peer mastermind group called Gathering the Kings, specifically for seven- to nine-figure business owners. So if that's you, if you're ready to level up your seven- to nine-figure business even to the next level and get around other big hitters just like you, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com, fill out a short application, and uh, it'll come to an application uh, call with me. And I want to chat with you to see if it might be a good fit. Talk soon. So we have these strategy sessions. We have a monthly strategy session where we review what we plan to do for that quarter. You know, hey, what's this quarter going to look like? This quarter is going to be flat. Okay, fine. Quarter is going to be flat. Here's why. Is there any way we can increase that? Well, if we could reduce this or reduce that, we might be able to see a little bit of push. Okay, well, if it's going to be flat, we all know that. So we're not out trying to do anything extravagant if it's going to be flat. If we're looking at, you know, a situation where 
I'm I'm too thin. Like we were saying earlier, and the reason I let go of the Arkansas business was because one, I had to keep going to Arkansas, which is affecting my ability to work on the business. That's right. Or the, one of the other managers was running down there. So it's pulling away from having them really hone in on their part. But the whole thing for me is that it's a written out plan. It's in writing. Mm -hmm. It's written out. Everybody knows it. We developed it at the same time. And it's a written there. document that you can always refer to. And you agreed to. And we agreed to. Right. Because we built it as a team. It wasn't just me saying, yeah, this is what, the only thing I said was I want a plan. And I want that plan to get us to here. And everybody's like, yeah, we need to be there. Okay, let's go. Yep. That's that's basically how we keep it. In, and, and then you have to keep reviewing it, of course. Keep yeah. reviewing it. And are we off? Is the plan off? Are we off or is the plan off? Yeah. You know, did yeah. that generate what we thought it was going to generate? No, it didn't because our insurance rates went up because we went to the larger truck. And then, okay, you could get more on it. And, you know, one driver versus two trucks and, eight, and two drivers. Get a bigger truck, but the insurance rate overcame the those things like that. Yeah, those kind of discussions. Yeah. Uh, once you really get to the point where everybody's in alignment, it's a lot easier. Yeah. It's a yeah. lot easier. Not that it's simple. Don't, don't get me wrong. I don't want anybody to think any of this is easy. I say easier. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, well, it it brings alignment. Alignment is what you're talking about, and alignment allows for leverage. If if we're not in alignment, then we're battling. If we are in alignment, then we skip the battle and now we can just take leaps and bounds forward. And so it doesn't become easier. It's the same work to your point, but it's leverage, leverage of time, leverage of, of collaboration, um, mm -hmm. because you can't have collaboration and like a fighting, like a negative spirit at the same time. Right. It's one or the other. And so I think that you're, you're spot on here with, with your assessment. Also, it's, it's interesting too, because what you've talked about, I mean, you've given several transportation specific examples. But I've already correlated it to real estate and then even like, you know, home services. I'm thinking we've, we've got a lot of contractors that listen or are part of our mastermind group, as well as, you know, marketing and tech and all kinds of other stuff, too. But all of these tactics of coming into alignment, building a team of people that that is more expensive on the front end that <laughs> then maybe you're, you know, excited about or confident with. But being able to put them in a room and be able to create a plan that's written down that you've agreed to then keeps you in alignment so that way. When things come up, whether it's the insurance overcoming the what we thought was going to be a great perspective on a, a bigger truck and less drivers, but it actually wasn't. The other way was better or this worked out great. And this is why insurance is high, but that's OK. Right. This one other went, went down. And so we're going to keep it. All those things can be assessed if being tracked and you're on the same page and you have alignment. So I think that there's major value in what you're talking about. Would you like dwindle this all the way down? Some of our listeners are huge. A couple hundred million all the way down to the guy that probably just got started. Maybe he, he hasn't even started yet. Mm -hmm. What does he or she do that's just getting started to keep in alignment when it's probably just them, maybe one other person? Can they do these same things? Yes. Uh, you know, I think it all starts with a good business plan, a well-thought-out business plan. If you challenge yourself and don't do a business plan that's just all glory and lollipops and rainbows, do a real, real assessment of what you're trying to do, and it will open your eyes. It will save you some stuff in the front end. You may miss something. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be well thought out and well researched. Yeah. So 
understand it. Understand your business. Nobody can understand your business more than you. Yeah. And if you write that down, you know, if you, oh, I got a business plan. Here's what I want to do. And they got in mind. No, write it down. Do the make, fake mock financials. You know, here's what I'm projecting for this. What would that do to this cost? Play the scenarios. Right. What happens if you lose 30% of your business? What happens if you gain 20%? What's your best case scenario? What's your worst case scenario? And how, yeah. if you set yeah. your business around that, okay. You yep. can, you know, I've always said that when I write a business plan, I write one in such detail that I can take it to a bank and they write me a check. Yeah. Against that business plan. I've done that twice, but three times actually, where I've written it, taken it in, and they signed up and said, yep, let's go, let's try it. And boom, yeah. That's a business plan. Right. Not your perspective, but think of it as if you're trying to get somebody to invest in your business. Yeah. What are you going to show? What questions would you ask yourself? Right. You know, is it this? I mean, this, this, you know, what, what are the risks? Assess those risks. What are your strengths? Yeah. Lay that out. I mean, if you, gotta, you know, hey, identify your weakness, but also identify how you're going to overcome that. What are you going to yep. do? Yep. Like the example I gave earlier. This guy knew more about trucking than I did. So what was one of my weaknesses and the arrogance I had thinking that, oh, you know, hey, I'm smart enough. This can't be that. All the little things add up. All the yeah. little nuances, they all add up. Yeah. And it just, it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't have any other words, but make sure you have a solid business plan. Yeah. Yeah. Then look at your money. Yeah, the business plan is going to correlate with the money. Also, you know, the there's just so I, I had a guy on my podcast, I don't know, four or five months ago, and he said the the thing that's helped him the most was that he he executes on the cliche. Mm-hmm. And everything that you're talking about is what we've all heard, whether we went to business school or not, I didn't. Mm-hmm. And so I can remember writing my first business plan and it was to get money. I was uh, you know, applying for an SBA loan. Mm hmm. And, uh, and they had all kinds of questions. I was 24 years old. I'd never run a business in my life. <laughs> you know, they, how are you going to make rent and this and that and all kinds of questions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but everything you're talking about as far as not only building it in detail, but the way that to be realistic, let yourself dream, but, but also be realistic about what's the worst and best case scenarios and then have a plan for both. Have yeah. a plan to win, but also yeah. what if, what if you don't? And what if that risk of being 24 does hinder you in this way, this way, this way? What do you do in that moment to overcome? Maybe I go hire the guy that's got 10 years of experience like you did. That could easily overcome a 24-year-old whatever scenario. But whatever the problem and whatever the solutions are, you're saying I have to put them in paper, which is the cliche piece that we all hear. It's like, okay, well, yeah, you got to create a business plan. It's like, no, 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 really. Jared's telling you something super proper here. You have to have it written down and you have to have a plan for both the good and the bad. That's just the way that it works. It's not you being negative. It's not you being overly optimistic. You got to just be able to shake it down. And then ideally you do it with other people because for me, like I'm a true optimist. You know, we Mm -hmm. just had a strategy meeting with my leadership team for Gathering the Kings just a couple of weeks ago and we gave ourselves a score. We have a survey that we take and I always score higher than everybody else on the team. And and we know this, like we all, (laughs) we all joked, like you gave your score, you gave your, okay, Chaz, yours was probably... And it's always a point or two higher because I always see better things. Mm-hmm. But ideally, I'm not in the nitty gritty looking at the negative 
detail of every single day. So I, I should be more optimistic. They should be bringing me back down to earth a little bit. That's okay. We understand that relationship, but all of that's needed in a format that you've just given it to us. So I just so appreciate that. Anything else you want to add there before I move on? No, no, that, that's it. That's, that's the crux of it. It is. It's good stuff. I want to know in your business, we've talked a lot about just the X's and O's. Right. What's the number one KPI for you? Like if you could only pick one to track forever and ever, what would that be? Safety. Safety. Okay. Tell us what yeah. that means to you. Well, see, in the trucking industry, there are always people suing you for safety. Your truck hit somebody, your truck. Morgan & Morgan, the commercial, they make a living off of suing trucking companies. I've been in, you know, we've added camera systems, proximity indicators. We've added all of these things to our truck, all because not only are we trying to protect the driver and make him safer, yeah. but we're also trying to protect ourselves from the people who are out there yeah. just waiting. The I sharks. Mean, I, we've got insurance, but your insurance rates will go way up. You start having a lot of claims. Yeah. But we've had people at a truck that was backing up in a parking lot. And there was four people sitting in the car. He's going about five miles an hour. He backs up. He taps their bumper. Right, not even enough to 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 damage the you know it, it cracked you know it dented it. He yeah, tapped, but they all fall out and they've all got back. They've got like some three hundred thousand dollar lawsuit on a five mile an hour accident. Wow! When it happened, the driver gets out, he takes a statement, he takes pictures, which is part of our process, and everybody was fine until two days later when they get the call from Morgan and Morgan to say, no, you're not fine. We need to go ahead and do all of this. We're going to run this number up. Mm -hmm. uh, it's gotten so bad in some areas. I say the Memphis area is really bad. I'm giving specifics. I don't know if you want to go that deep. In yeah, that's fine. That's good. So in the Memphis area, you've got people who are actually going out there trying to have wrecks. Wow. They're not even, and it, and it doesn't even have to be, we had one gentleman, and this happened to me two or three times, but I'll bring this one up because it's recent. He calls me up. He says, hey, I was on 240 and your truck pulled over and hit me. I said, okay, what time were you there? He had the time. He had a picture of the side of our truck. Mm. I tried to stop the driver, but he just kept going. He had a picture of the side of the truck. And then the clue that gave it away was he said, I want to settle this outside of insurance. Oh, yeah. Yep. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I said, do you have insurance? Oh, yes, I have insurance. I said, well, so do I. I said, well, let's do it this way because I have no evidence on my truck. I have nothing in the videos. I have nothing that shows that you were hit. So you file it on your insurance and I'll file it on mine and we'll let the insurance companies never heard from them again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the unfortunate part about just a lot of where, you know, um, mm -hmm. people head negatively, but what I love inside of your quickness around the question of, of KPI was like, it was boom, safety. And it's because it's clearly top of mind for you. And it also moves the needle in your business, which I think is what yes. a KPI should do is it moves the needle for you. It is interesting. That makes me think of those crazy, you know, Instagram or TikTok videos, you know, in Asia where, you know, they all have to have dash cams because they'll just like, they come to a stop and then the, you see the person lay on the car right. <laughs> as if they had gotten hit. It's like, no, that didn't. <laughs> Right. Wait a second. Well, I'm sorry that you have to deal with that, but that should give encouragement actually to the listener that every industry, no matter how successful the king, he's had to deal with 
things along the way. And for transportation, that just happens to be one of them. It's not even, it's probably not even the main one, but it's probably a, a large one. I want to know of a business resource, a book, a, a podcast, something that you've gone to or listened to or gotten value from that you could share with us that we could also in, indulge in. And I don't know if you read the book and I can't remember the author, but it's The Why. Okay. There's a book called The Why. And it just goes over, explain, you know, you got to come up with why. Yeah. Why? why? That was a good one. In some of my master's programs, the study of process. Yeah. Ichi Taguchi came up with an experimental design called, you know, it's called the design of experiments type of mathematical thing where you basically what you're doing is you take a problem, you turn it into a math problem, solve the math, and then turn the solution into a practical. Yeah. That's the gist of it. That helped a lot. Yeah. And of course, you know, your basic business books. I mean, you can pick up accounting or something like that, just so you understand your numbers, how to read. I Man, I wish I could recall all these authors, but how to read a financial statement. Yeah. Simple. It's simple. Even though you might understand it, that's fine. You know, but if you've never had it, go find out how to read a financial statement. And it doesn't have to be a book. It can be somebody. Yeah. You got a CPA friend. You pull up, a, you know, pull up somebody's financial statement and say, hey, how do you read this? How do I, you know, how do I understand my numbers? Yeah. Uh, yeah all those things are super important, especially the numbers piece, because it, it is an actual pretty easy thing, but most people shy away from it because it appears to be difficult. They don't realize the simplicity of actually once you understand how you can apply it to decision making. So other ones, I listen to a lot of the masterclass series. Okay. Uh, and Mark Voss, I believe his name. He's the negotiator. Oh, yeah, yeah. Chris Voss. Yep. Chris Voss. That's it. Yes. That's right. I, I listed a lot of his negotiation tactics and have used it. I'm actually using one right now. That's awesome. It's <laughs> awesome. A new business, a new sector of business, and I'm actually using it right now and it has worked it is it does yeah i've i've used a bit like direct lines from that book to negotiate for an apartment complex i actually just used it just the other day i sent a text message that says have you given up on this project <laughs> oh man good stuff good stuff gotta give a shout out to chris Voss. okay so i got a question for you about family yes and i want to know for you because i i just don't believe in balance just quite frankly what I do believe in is obsession. And you've been successful in your business because of your obsession. The struggle of swimming and not drowning is obsession. Right. And then that same stuff happens in our family. And all the other things that we love about life also, but specifically family, I want to know some practicals that you've done to obsess over them mm -hmm. like you have your business. So part of it is making the time. One of the things I find myself doing is there's always something to do. Always. Right? There's always something to do. So in order for me to control time so that I do have time for my family is I'm going to accomplish these things today. That's it. When I finish that, shut it down, go downstairs, go do something in the house, go do something else. Don't do any more than this square. This is what you're going to get done today. You know, of course, there are emergencies sometimes that you have to sure. But have a plan. Again, I'm back to planning. Have a plan. This is the five things I'm going to get done today. Once I finish these five, we push the next ones to tomorrow. Yep. And then the five things I'm going to get done tomorrow. Yeah. These are the things I'm going to get done today. Because so for today, I've got the podcast. I've got a conference call with FedEx. I have a, a meeting with the guy that I'm negotiating with to purchase his business. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah just to give some encouragement to the listener from what those examples, like literally using your day to day. 
the podcast, which is getting recognition. And uh, also it's just a way for you to give back. Like, yes, it's building your authority and yes, it's going to be major value for you. But as a king, it's an amazing opportunity to be able to give back. And so there's a whole fulfillment tab to that as well. Mm -hmm. The FedEx opportunity, I'm sure there's a lot of connection between your business and and FedEx. That's a pretty high level task. The negotiations of buying another business, that moves revenue needle, that moves, if you guys have an acquisition target, that moves that needle. So these are all like extremely high level practical things that, that Gerald's doing today. So I just appreciate you actually sharing that. It gives an idea of what it looks like to work on the business, like you said earlier. Right, right, right. It takes your time. I mean, it, but it, it'll consume all of your time. Let, yeah, yeah. else to do? That's right. That's you right. Should. I got a question for you here. We'll wrap up with this one. Gerald, I want to know if you had an opportunity to whisper in the younger Gerald's ear, mm-hmm. what would you say? Start your own business earlier. You know, I started my career working for others and you get trapped into that rut of working for others and that's who you are. Yeah, I would have started my business a lot earlier and I would be, instead of being five years in, I'd be 15 years in. Right. What held you back? Do you think, what would you whisper to yourself to overcome that you hadn't overcame at that point? Fear, fear of the loss of income, fear of surviving, you know, a lot of people have failed, you know, and you, you hear about those things. I mean, even some Successful people, you see them fail. I mean, in my lifetime, I've seen major corporations go under that I never thought would go away. Yeah. Lehman Brothers, Enron, all these big, massive corporations went away. Yeah. They failed. And then here I am, little Gerald, with my little red wagon with a little bit of money in it. You know, should I take Should I not take this risk? Now, granted, when I was single is when I should have. Mm. Have a wife and kids, that's a whole nother dynamic. Raises the stakes a little bit, doesn't it? Yes. That's a whole level of dynamic that you're going to have to consider. You're going to have yeah. to consider the risk. That increased my aversion to risk. Yeah, yeah. Mainly because of them. Yeah, which is real. I think that that's actually the right answer, but you didn't stop there. You you stopped for a while, but mm-hmm. you didn't you didn't stay there forever. No, not. And I had a plan. I had, you know, I even had a plan for failure. If this had failed, I had a plan for that. Yeah. I knew what yeah. I was going to do. If this failed, I knew what I was going to do. I wasn't planning to fail, but I had a plan for failure. Yeah. So how do I get out of this? This is, if it's, this business is going to go under. So basically, I'm going to use my same analogy. If I'm drowning, here's your lifeline. You might yeah. not be swimming, but you're floating Right. You're, not, you're floating. You're not moving anywhere. You're just floating. Yeah. That was my lifeline. So I had a plan for that too. Yeah, that's good. Gerald, you've been incredible with just not only giving practicals, but also showing us what it looks like to to be a CEO and to work on the business, give vision to your team and strategically put a team together. I mean, we've gone through a lot actually. Mm-hmm. And and you've just given freely. Like it just flows out of you. You can tell <laughs> that that you love what you do. Thank you for being here, but I want to give the opportunity for the listener to connect with you. Number one, if there's a reason or tell us who in the audience would need your business and so give us a plug there on how we can find you and do business with you. And then number two, if we just want to connect with you as an entrepreneur, how would we do that? So the the business that we deal with, we're usually the, the guys that are in the 3PL business, third-party logistics, 3PL, I use it. 
assume everybody knows what we're saying. That's good. Yep, that's good. Third-party logistics, your primary sources of, of logistic business, like direct with FedEx or UPS or Amazon. And we, we have contracts with all of those. And, you know, there are people like Nike that I'm trying to get in there because I think they've got a middle mile section that I could handle. And it, it's generally in the Nashville, Memphis, Little Rock area. Two, 300 mile radius of those cities, we can set it up and run it. There you go. And how can we find you? We have a website. It's horrible. <laughs> Appreciate the honesty. Was it LinkedIn? Is it you want to give us a phone number? How, do, how can we find you? LinkedIn would probably be the best way to do it. LinkedIn, send a message via LinkedIn. I see it. I'll answer it. I'm not hitting my profiles right there. If you go to our website, which is jexpressllc.com, you can kind of get an idea of what we do. There's a little commercial out there. You can see what we do. Yeah. But you know, I'm at the trade shows. I'm at the uh, customized logistics trade shows. We have a booth there, so you'll see me there. I'm uh, trying awesome. to do business. Yeah, yeah, drumming <laughs> but, it up. Well, you've so, been incredible. We'll put all that in the show notes. Thanks for being here. I wish you nothing but blessing on your team and your family. Thank you. All of the other people. I love, I love, I mean, we all impact other people, but logistics is just one of those industries where if it stopped today, there's a lot of people affected. So I just really appreciate the hard work that you and your team put in. Thank you for going the extra mile and, <laughs> or, or the last 300 and plus one. And, and we just are thankful that you're here. Thanks for being here with us. And thanks for pouring out to the audience. All right. Well, I sure appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners, is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together one thousand kings specifically who are grateful but not done we're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business family and communities and here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy so if that relates and and resonates with you and you know that you need people around you sharp qualified other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.